Within the past year, it's been sort of hard to choose what to watch, what to listen to, and what to play. And that's because there's been a lot of new releases popping up left and right. In today's episode, I review all of the things that I've talked about this past year in 2022 and essentially tell you what's the best of the best out of the crop. I'm your host, Christian Ong, and that's my cue. Welcome back, cuties, to another episode of That's My Cue, your one-stop podcast to get the latest reviews in all things TV shows, movies, albums, and games. Y'all, somehow, somehow we made it. I, I can't believe that we're already at the end of 2022. I just re-listened to the Best of the Rest recap of 2021, and I was just saying that this year sounded like a futuristic sci-fi year, and I gotta say that 2023 sounds even more sci-fi. And I th- I think that's just because that, you know, the closer we get to Blade Runner 2049 or, you know, uh, Cyberpunk 2077's futuristic years, the more that I feel like my brittle bones are just turning to dust. But y'all, I am excited to talk to you today because I think we have one hell of a year. I don't normally try to, you know, uh, use so, like, I guess blue language on the language, but hot damn, we got, uh, we got a lot of good things to talk about today because just going over the past episodes I've talked about in uh, TMQ or even just looking at other people's review lists, there's been so many different titles to choose from that it's been kind of hard to narrow down what was the best TV show, movies, albums, and games. And I think that the list that I curated was something that I feel very strongly about. And I got to say that uh, most of it was also influenced by whether or not I did a episode or at least I mentioned it on the show because I don't want to really blindside you with like a bunch of titles that I just happened to enjoy and just remembered that I enjoyed and didn't talk about on the show. But at the at that same token, full disclosure too, didn't really have a lot of time to do a lot of other things just because of you know life events, right? So when it comes to the game section, you gotta forgive me that Elden Ring might not be on it. Spoiler alert! But I mean, you know, I y'all just a quick little sidebar. Come with, come with me real quick to this corner of the podcast you know you ever watch a youtube video and then they give their definitive list on what they enjoyed and that youtuber always has to preface it with like just letting you guys know this is my opinion and if you disagree then that's totally okay i i feel like it's just like common sense right like everyone should go into this knowing that this is just my subjective opinion right i I feel like i don't need to really explain that and if you do need that explained to you I don't know what to tell you. I'm just saying that um, Elden Ring is a-okay. I don't know. I've never played it. So I know a lot of video game fans are very passionate and they're already typing at the comments saying like, hey, you haven't played Elden Ring yet? No, I have better things to do with my time. But with that being said, you know, with this year uh, wrapping up, I think it's best to kind of start the episode off by talking about some things that I'm currently excited for for 2023 first up on my list we have indiana jones 5 i I can't believe that we're still making indiana jones movies at this point i would have liked it to follow up immediately after 
uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and maybe just kind of washing that out out of people's brains because it's it's just kind of a stupid movie that fourth one. But um, I'm I'm hoping that the fifth one kind of redeems itself. I think that the you know de aging technology that they used for Harrison Ford looked super fantastic in that trailer. So I I think that it has the potential to be really good. I think that the director from Logan is definitely going to bring a, a, a different flavor than we're used to compared to George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. But I'm excited to also get that nostalgic feeling of watching another indie movie in the theater. So it's going to be pretty fun. Next up on my list, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And this is a movie that I had mentioned in uh, my last Best of the Rest episode. And it got delayed. So I am just as excited as I was at the beginning of the year. So yeah, and we finally got a trailer for it. And it looks really dope. And I think that my brain is just going to go haywire trying to pick out all the little Spider-Man cameos here and there. Like apparently people were pointing out Spectacular Spider-Man, which is one of my favorite cartoon versions of Spider-Man. And also you have the Spider-Man PS4 uh, version of Peter Parker making a cameo as well. So Let's just get at it. And also, you know, y'all, if you know Katie, try to convince her to watch Into the Spider-Verse with me because every time we try to sit down and watch it, she's always down to watch every other Spider-Man movie. But just for whatever reason, animated movies in general, kind of hard to convince her. But hopefully the 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 pressure from peers would be, uh, you know, enough to kind of uh, make me happy. And next up on my list, we have... The Barbie movie, believe it or not. I'm a big fan of Greta Gerwig's work. I was, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. I was not that big of a fan of Lady Bird at the beginning, but then after a couple rewatches, it's a, it's a great coming-of-age movie, and I think I was just being a little too sour on that first uh, watch. But uh, I think that Greta Gerwig is going to bring a, a, a nice, nuanced take on the character, of Barbie, and I think uh, you, with Margot Robbie and Ryan uh, uh, Gosling in the forefront of our cast, I think it's going to be fantastic. And also, it's surprisingly going to be kind of blending in some real-world elements, too. I don't know. Like, apparently, the doll world of Barbie merges... Like, I, I, the trailer doesn't really tell you much, but apparently, uh, you have Will Ferrell trying to chase down... Ryan uh, Gosling and Margot Robbie to take them back from the real world into the Barbie world. Who knows? It's going to be kind of weird, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Up next, we have The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Y'all, this is a sequel to Breath of the Wild, which is one of my favorite, you know, uh, open world games of all time. Possibly one of my favorite games of all time, too. I, I was not a big fan of Breath of the Wild in the beginning just because I felt like I was too stupid to play Breath of the Wild. But after just, you know, really taking a second deep dive into it, I poured so many hours on my work trips uh, as I'm like on a plane or maybe in my hotel room, just hacking and slashing and just having a huge ball of fun with Breath of the Wild because it is one of those few games that really gives you a lot of the tools that you need early on and just lets you go crazy in the way that you can kind of explore the world however you see fit. And there's so many different things that you can discover and so many new things that players are still discovering about this 
I think, five-year-old game at this point. And I would like to think that Tears of the Kingdom is going to expand on that in a plethora of new ways. And it's going to be super exciting once that game hopefully comes out. Maybe it might. I would not be surprised if it gets delayed. And I think in retrospect, as I re-listen to this uh, at the end of 2023, I can probably confirm or deny that. But up next on my list I is another game. This is another game that I'm a little more um, confident will be released later this year. And it's going to be Fire Emblem Engage. Y'all, I have been a big fan of the Fire Emblem series for a while. I've been playing, you know, uh, uh, a lot of their games in and out, uh, depending on what system that I have available to me. Didn't really get to play a lot of the GameCube uh, era, nor I think there was one for the Wii as well. I just probably skipped out on those. But I've been a big fan of Awakening and also uh, Three Houses and also some of the old Game Boy games as well. So, you know, I I'm, I'm in the thick of it. But I think that Fire Emblem Engage is going to be a nice celebration of the uh, franchise's history as you can recruit uh, and pair up with old heroes from the past games. And it just looks like it's going to be uh, a one heck of an uh, enjoyable time with my nice sword anime friends. So... Yeah, that'll be, that'll be great. And finally on my currently list, we have The Last of Us TV Show. Now, if you aren't familiar with these games or you might have played the first one on the PS3 and you never played either the remasters or the sequel, uh, I would say that the general premise is kind of like if you ma uh, mashed The Mandalorian with The Walking Dead. There's that, you know... Um, found family uh, dynamic between the main characters and they do have the, uh, they have to essentially navigate this quote-unquote zombified world even though they don't refer to them as zombies but I, I think this is going to be as far as uh, video game adaptations go a very competent one I know that video games generally have a long history of not being very good at all but uh, I would like to say that The Last of Us has a lot of talent behind it. I think that Pedro Pascal can really carry uh, his own show, and I think that The Last of Us is going to be more or less kind of what we expect from him. And so, I don't know. It could be good. From what I've seen of the little teaser trailers, I, I'm, I feel like there's a lot of meat on the bones, pun intended, to really enjoy. So, that's going to drop later this year, and I feel like it's going to be on the top of everyone's list. So, crossing my fingers and hoping that I'm not wrong. But y'all, what are you excited for? Let me know uh, on social media and let's go ahead and uh, just dive right into today's episode. Y'all, you know, I start off uh, with every episode greeting you, talking about all my favorite TV shows, movies, albums, and games. And I feel like that's the order that I should go in when, you know, discussing the best of the best, right? So let's go ahead and talk about this year's best TV show. Now, out of all the TV shows that I've watched, a lot of them have been, you know, comfort shows that I've been uh, diving back into. And of course, there's some new seasons and some new shows that have been on my radar. But none of them has been more prevalent than Severance. When it comes to original pre uh, premises, uh, Severance is by far one of the most unique shows to have come out in the past year. With slick writing and excellent cinematography, the world of Severance is riddled with mysteries that continue to build itself with solid performances from its whole cast, only to pay it off with a gripping cliffhanger by its season finale. 
On top of that, the show also asks some thought-provoking existential questions that further elevates the stakes of the situation, leaving room for some exciting uncharted waters once the show returns. Severance, along with Ted Lasso, sits on Apple TV's exclusive catalog as one of its best. And, y'all, I think that you should really go check it out. But if you need other shows to watch, here's some honorable mentions that I would recommend. First off, we have the entirety of Atlanta, which is something that I've done in episode four not too long ago. But this year was uh, the season, fin- uh, the series finale, and also the third season dropped in the early part of the year as well. As far as comedy dramas go, I think that Atlanta really nails it down, especially with its surreal atmosphere. It also has a very grounded sense of character uh, in the way that it writes its main ensemble, but it also does a really great job in um, making the audience think when it comes to racial dynamics and how it plays out in the greater context of American culture. So I think that the lasting impact of Atlanta is going to very much... Uh, extend itself beyond its time so I think that it is a show that if you haven't given a chance to watch definitely check it out and really stick through it and just know that it is going to go to some weird places for sure but also on my honorable uh, mention list we have Moon Knight. Moon Knight is just uh, one of those Disney Plus shows that I felt like Oscar Isaac really just honed in on the role and uh, really brought that charisma that I knew that he was going to do when uh, when I knew that he was announced in the cast. But uh, I think that season two is going to be pretty exciting. I am also looking forward to the next time that his character appears in a more um, main stage within the films itself. But, you know, I, I, I think that Moon Knight has a lot of legs for it to uh, go in multiple directions. So out of all the other Disney Plus shows, I think that Moon Knight has the better potential to have a, you know, more uh, broader reach with its audience. And here's some uh, recommendations that y'all uh, had submitted on social media. Kayla recommended The Devil's Hour, which is a Amazon exclusive. I just Googled that before the show. I had no, I have never heard of the show, but at the same time, I saw some recognizable faces in the cast. So it looks like it could be good. I don't really know what it's about, so I can't really tell you for sure. But we also uh, have another Kayla recommendation, and she recommends Wednesday, you know. So uh, I still haven't finished that show, so I, I, I think I'll take up Kayla's recommendation on that as well. Uh, Jade and also my uh, godfather Bien recommended Stranger Things. Stranger Things had a great season. Yes, totally uh, agree with that. And Noelle recommends Our Flag Means Death and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Haven't seen Our Flag yet, but uh, Mrs. Maisel, I think that Maisel is one of the uh, funniest uh, TV shows. It really plays out um, like a play and just goes with like some rapid fire quips left and right. And I can really appreciate it for that. And also when it does let its characters ha- uh, have these moments to give these very dramatic uh, you know, monologues, they do perform them extremely well. So there's a lot of talent on Mrs. Maisel. I am looking forward to the final season next year. So maybe I'll do a review on that. Who knows? Katie also recommends The Hand- uh, Handmaid's Tale. And I think, yeah, a new season dropped this year on Hulu. 
I've never, I, I know that there's been a lot of hype with its initial seasons. Maybe a lot of people might not like the later seasons. I don't really know the buzz per se, but I would say that, uh, yeah, if, if you are a big fan of Handmaid's Tale, let me know because I, I think that this is a show that has always been something on my list to watch, but I just have yet to, you know, take the dive. And finally, Nadine recommends a K-drama, and she recommends uh, the drama 2521. I have no idea what that's about or where to watch it, but I I like numbers, and I think that this is something that might be ap- appealing to you if you also like numbers and K-dramas. But next category is movies, and y'all, I feel like there's been... So many movies that have come out this year that have been uh, extremely good, but I feel like there's one movie that have that has united us all in terms of what we all enjoyed. Because I don't think it's going to be a surprising when I tell you this, but the best movie of 2022 is Everything Everywhere All at Once. It may sound like an exaggeration, but Everything Everywhere All at Once captures the joy of what it means to go to the cinema. It's original in every sense of the word while also navigating moments of heart-wrenching drama in the midst of some stunning action sequences. Though its concept may lean heavily on the absurd angle, the Daniels deliver a film that serves as a personal family drama that tackles the struggles of intergenerational trauma and how our expectations for ourselves and our loved ones can ultimately shape us in a multitude of different ways. Everything Everywhere remains to be a deeply personal story that left much of its audience in equal parts tears and equal parts laughter, and also set the standard amongst the recent films set within their own massive multiverse. So it is definitely a film that truly lives up to the hype. And some honorable mentions that I really enjoyed this year. There's been a a lot of movies, so I'm just going to kind of go through them quickly. But we have Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. It's another A24 film. A lot of people have been saying that this could be nominated for uh, Best Animated Feature. And I can see that, but it's kind of a weird you know, uh, line to toe because it does blend, you know, some uh, live action elements with the animation. So... Uh, I, I don't really know where it's going to fall, but I, I feel like uh, Marcel Deschelles with shoes on should not be slept on. Barbarian is another movie on my honorable mention list. Barbarian has its own dedicated TMQ episode, so you can listen to that. But it is one of those uh, unexpected horror movies that, you know, just from the trailer itself, you don't really know what this movie is about. And as you're watching it, you also don't really know what this movie is about. So I don't want to spoil it for you. But if you have an HBO Max subscription, definitely watch it if you haven't seen it for the first time. And circle back to me. And up next on my honorable mention list, we also have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Just did another review on that pretty recently as well. It's one of those adaptations that, you know, you feel like you know what you're in for because you've seen so many different Pinocchio adaptations in the past. But I think this one really hits home in a way that a lot of adaptations typically don't and it really goes to some uh dark places and never really pulls it pun- uh, its punches when it's trying to speak to its audience especially if they're young children as well and letting them know that you know sometimes it's not good for something to last forever and uh having that finite um you know uh time with people 
makes us appreciate them a little more. And I think that Pinocchio surprisingly hits that theme, you know, uh, in, in very tear jerking and beautiful strides. And finally, we also have Pixar's Turning Red. This is another film that I feel like a lot of people might have forgotten had come out this year, but there's been so many movies like I mentioned, and I think that Turning Red is one of those movies uh, that feels very relatable, uh, especially if you have, uh, you know, a a very uh, weird dynamic with your parents where, you know, growing up, you feel like you're trying to forge your own identity And at the same time, it comes in conflict with what your parents expect out of you. It's a very, you know, uh, grounded Pixar story and and nothing like its other films like Lightyear that came out this year where it's very grand and massive. And it's more of a personal story between a mother and daughter. And I think it's just a very well done and executed tale as well. And here's what some of the listeners had suggested. Jade, Jalan, Katie, and Noel. All four of them can agree as they all recommended everything everywhere all at once. It is one of the best movies by far. I, I can't tell you enough. Go watch this movie. It's so good. And Kayla recommends Where the Crawdads Sing. That's also on Netflix. I know that um, you know Kate's mom has seen it and she read the book. I think she um, says that the book was better, but also my mom watched the movie and she said that she really enjoyed uh, the movie even though she's never read the book. So... You know, who's to say, right? And I I think that if you go into uh, watching this movie, probably do that first and then read the book. I feel like it's always, you know, uh, the other way around where if you read the book first, you're never really satisfied with what the movie is. So maybe maybe that's the route to go. And Kayla also recommends Bullet Train. I watched this movie earlier this year. Personally, it wasn't uh, one of my favorite movies. I I can appreciate it from an action standpoint. I think that the writing and the uh, dialogue exchanges is very cheesy. It's not really my cup of uh, tea, per se. And I'm just not a big Tarantino fan in general. And I feel like it tries to evoke that kind of like like zaniness that you would see in Kill Bill or whatever. Uh, And Jerome and my Ninong Bian recommends... Top Gun Maverick. I completely forgot to add that on my honorable mention list as well. But yes, Top Gun Maverick is absolutely fantastic. It is kind of jingoistic in a way where you kind of just go along with it. But at the same time, you know, it's just a very uh, well done character uh, character piece on a uh, legacy sequel that, you know, I feel like should have not been as good as it is just because like, you know, it took... I don't know, 30 plus years to make it. But surprisingly, Tom Cruise still, you know, uh, is coming through with the bangers. So that's pretty good. And y'all, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll go ahead and dive into the rest of the best of 2022. I feel like we're really kind of just speeding through along. So Uh, Hold on tight because 2023 is just right around the corner. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today on our episode, we're talking all about the best titles to have come out in 2022. And let's go ahead and dive into the second half of today's episode as we talk all about the best album of 2022. And I know that there's been one album in particular that's been sitting at the top of my list for the longest time. But this late entry really wowed and surprised 
the heck out of me. And I got to say that Scissors SOS is the best album of 2022. And while it may bear an extensively long uh, track list, SOS is still digestible and a very fun and consistent listen from start to finish. Some ideas may not necessarily gel well with some fans, but Scissors' performance and bold lyricism is undeniable with the raw talent that has been carefully curated from track to track. And though it may be a recent release, SZA is one of those late-entry albums that most certainly deserves the top spot as she proves to be one of R&B's brightest stars that showcases not only just raw vocals are full to the brim of heartache, but it also bears a bit of darkness that is just delightful to consume as a listener as well. It's a very robust and versatile album that is a must-listen for fans and newcomers alike from this year. And here's some honorable mentions. The album that's been at the top of my list this year was, for the longest time, Jid's The Forever Story. The Forever Story is a very comprehensive album that I think elevates the style that Jid has been building over the last uh, few album cycles, and I think that The Forever Story really captures him at his full potential, and there's been so many uh, great tracks, but I feel like he uh, still didn't bring anything that was inherently new that we haven't heard on his previous work uh, before. Denzel Curry uh, also uh, brought his A-game with Melt My Eyes, See Your Future, but not a lot of its track lists or tracks on the track list were uh, consistent as well. There was definitely some album uh, some uh, album cuts that felt a little weaker than others. But here's also what the listeners have to say. Katie recommends Beyonce's Renaissance, and I think that Renaissance is a fantastic Beyonce album that feels very different than what she's put out before. But it also stills, uh, still feels very Beyonce, if you know what I mean. Basically, it never really challenges uh, Beyonce in uh, the way that she writes her music. Uh, it, the lyrics feel very samey to what I've heard in past album cycles. And I would like for her to not only evolve the sound aesthetically of her music, but to also you know, uh, reach deeper into the well of her writing as well. And, and it just, it never really felt like, uh, it, it it never really felt new in that sense. So, uh, Renaissance is still a good album though. I think that there's a lot of, uh, tracks that I like to revisit from time to time. And I, and I can certainly see Renaissance at the top of, uh, people's lists as well. And it deserves that spot as well. Jade and Jalan also recommend Scissors SOS, and y'all, just because it's a late entry doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve that spot. Definitely go ahead and give that a listen uh, while you can, uh, maybe after this episode, uh, maybe on your commute as well. And finally, our last category of That's My Cue, it's games. And like I said, uh, didn't play a lot of Elden Ring, so just, you know... Temper your excitement before we uh, dive into it. But uh, just because I didn't have a lot of time to play some video games doesn't mean that there weren't some video games that I thoroughly enjoyed uh, during my downtime as well. And out of all the games that I played, whether if it was something that was in my backlog or if it was a new title, the one new title that really stuck out to me was, and you know, it might not surprise y'all because I frequently cover this series uh, throughout uh, That's My Cue, but it's Pokemon Legends Arceus. 
For over 20 years, Pokemon has already been a mainstay franchise that found plenty of, ex uh, 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 of its success through its video games. During that course of time, though, it slowly found itself rehashing much of the same boring but effective formula that eventually felt rinse and repeat from what came before. Enter Legends Arceus. It's a new mainline game that completely uprooted what fans would come to expect from a Pokemon game by giving it a nice, you know, facelift with a satisfying gameplay experience that gave the series a much needed refresh. Plenty of quality of life features were updated and wild battles, especially with its core boss battles, were exceptionally challenging and posed actual stakes for the player. While it may not be the most graphically impressive game in the Switch's vast library of exclusives, it certainly fits the aesthetic of the time period that it's supposed to be set in. Out of the two major Pokemon releases this year from Game Freak, Legends Arceus is everything that longtime fans of the franchise would come to appreciate as it brought forth new ideas that hopefully would be carried over into future Pokemon games going forward. And uh, yeah, I, I can't really stress enough how much I really enjoyed this game. I don't know why I really enjoyed it more than uh, Scarlet and Violet. Po possibly, I just felt like, you know, it. there was a little more... Uh, care put into the uh, story itself and you know really giving uh, players a sense of what you know uh, Pokemon could be if they really you know uh, put effort in uh, pu putting the the player's experience at the forefront but here's some honorable mentions that I really enjoyed this year a lot of them have been like mobile games or maybe games that I can just download on my switch because uh, your boy can't afford a Steam Deck, so don't even suggest it, but maybe after the wedding. I don't know. Sorry, sorry, Kate. No, we'll, we'll use our money for, for actual practical things, but maybe if, you know, if you're a homie and you want to kind of, you know, kind of uh, donate to the uh, non-existent, I guess, Kickstarter. Oh, wait, what's the one where... The Patreon, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, the non-existent Patreon, then maybe we can get that Steam Deck ready to go. But anyways, my honorable mention list includes Rogue Legacy 2, which is a new game that I just picked up uh, like, a, like maybe like a month or two ago. It's been a fun game. It's it's a nice little uh, action uh, Metroidvania slash roguelike that I've been enjoying. And it's, you know, it has its quirks. And, you know, I, I, I like picking up different classes and having different abilities, uh, uh, you know, attached to these classes. Like, it, it just never feels like one run is ever the same, and I like that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it definitely is challenging, and I feel like I am getting better and better as I play it. So, yeah, Rogue Legacy 2 rules. And up next on my honorable mention list, we have Marvel Snap. You know me, I love my card games, and Marvel Snap is one of those mobile games that I think stands out as one of the most polished card game experiences I, that I've played in a long time. It's easy to pick up, easy to understand, and I feel like Marvel Snap really trims down all the boring, complicated, and frustrating parts that can come with a TCG, like, uh, I don't know, Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, or even Digimon, as blasphemous as that sounds. But I think that Marvel Snap is very also uh, very smart in the sense that it also condenses the games into very digestible pieces where you can just go into a game, play for three minutes, and you're already done. You're not waiting an hour for your opponent to finish turn one in Yu-Gi-Oh. You're already 
done with the game and moving on with your life. And finally, on my honorable mention list, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I've been a big fan of the arcade game, and I mentioned it on a previous TMQ episode, that it is absolutely fun and reminiscent of those arcade games as well, and brought me back to, you know, being a kid again, going to those arcades in Chuck E. Cheese, or I think even, was that, was that Gameworks in Las Vegas? I remember going to that in, in Vegas when I was a kid, so yeah. If, if you're a 20-something-year-old and you have no idea what game works is, I probably just dated myself just by saying those two words in conjunction with one another. And here's what some listeners have to say. Ashley recommends uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, this is a game that I also played on the PS5, and I think graphically it is so beautiful to look at, but I also... I personally didn't really care about the story. Gameplay-wise, though, I loved beating the crap out of dinosaurs. And, um, yeah, I, I think that I, uh, the, I don't know, I, 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 I probably didn't know how to unlock different armor pieces for uh, Aloy, but I think that I should dip in and play it again. I don't know. It, for Horizon Forbidden West was a lot of fun. You know, when it comes to its, you know, little side quest stuff, I didn't really give a crap to be honest but uh yeah i don't know i just felt like i just kind of cruised through that game and just tried to uh, finish the story as fast as possible but uh there is a lot of meat on the bones like i mentioned with the last of us to enjoy and uh rami also recommends modern warfare 2 not the old modern warfare 2 but the rebooted version of modern warfare 2 uh, I feel like, you know, I've played a lot of Call of Duty games, and I really enjoy a lot of them. There's also been some duds that I didn't enjoy, and I haven't played uh, the second rebooted uh, Modern Warfare. I played the rebooted Modern Warfare, and that was fun, but uh, yeah, I, I'll pick it up eventually. I feel like I know what I'm kind of in for, though, when it comes to Call of Duty games. And Jonna also recommends Pokemon Legends Arceus. Y'all, it is one of those games that if you haven't played a Pokemon game in a long time, or maybe you fell off because it was just kind of the same old thing, play Legends Arceus. Trust me, it is one of those games that has a lot of the DNA of what you enjoy from a Pokemon game, while also, you know, just doing something completely new, and it just feels rewarding as you play it. So, y'all, that's today's episode, you know? Thank you so much. You know, I got to say that I joke around all the time about, you know, passing the show along to a friend. But I really can't thank you enough for getting to this point with me and to just listening to what I have to say for, I don't know, 30 plus minutes sometimes. And I've seen people binge the show for like, I don't know, 16 hours. There's one one day I looked at, at, at the Anchor app and it showed that the... Uh, podcast was listened to 42 times in one day. I hope that's not just one person accidentally just like, you know, leaving the the show on for 42 episodes and hearing my voice uh, in the background for 16 hours. That is crazy or something like that. But, you know, if if that's something that you want to do or maybe it, it gets you through your drives, I can't tell you how much that means to me that you included me as a part of that experience for you and to keep you company in that way. So thank you so much. But here's uh, also what some listeners are looking forward to in the coming year. 
Katie's recommending Bo is Afraid, which is the new Ari Oster uh, film. And if you're not familiar with Ari Oster's work, you might be familiar with uh, horror movies like Hereditary or Midsummer. This director definitely has a very twisted sense of horror. And I think that uh, Bo is Afraid not only is being marketed as a horror comedy, but I think it's going to be a very messed up horror comedy. So I'm looking forward to that when that drops. And uh, Brian recommends The Life of CNC, Married Life. And the CNC is Katie and Christian. And Brian, you you sweet, sweet man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, The Life of CNC as well. And Lauren also recommends all of the new Avatar The Last Airbender releases. And I got to agree, I am looking forward to that as well. You have the live action TV show that I am crossing my fingers and hoping that it's good, uh, you know, for Netflix. And then you also have the new Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender movies that are coming out that's set within that timeline. And then also you have the third Avatar series that's going to be taking place after The Legend of Korra with the new Earthbender Avatar I think that's going to be cool. I would like for uh, the Earthbender avatar to be set in kind of the future. If you looked at the the concept art for uh, Aang, it, it was supposed to be set in a very futuristic world. And I think that, uh, yeah, that would be cool for them to finally explore. As long as, uh, you know, the original creators of the show is involved, that's what I'm looking forward to. I know that they're not involved with the live action project, so I'm hesitant for that. And... Might I add, while we're talking about things that we're looking forward to, I know I talked, uh, I should have added it on my currently list in the beginning, but I'm hesitant for the One Piece live action adaptation. I have no idea when that's going to release, but I'm pretty sure we might get a trailer soon. I just hope it's not, I hope it's not, you know, lame like uh, the Cowboy Bebop adaptation. I'm never going to do an episode on that. You, you can't make me, but y'all... You know, if you want to share your thoughts on today's episode or maybe any of the titles that I had shared this week, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at That's My Q Podcast or on Twitter at Q Podcasts. You can also email the show at That's My Q Podcast at gmail.com, all of which are great places on where you can recommend on what I should check out for the coming year and what I should add for my uh, review list so that way I can keep that on my radar and definitely check it out. But be sure to rate and review the episode on iTunes and also to leave a nice Spotify five-star rating as well. And all of that really does help boost attention for the show. And like I said, thank you so much for, you know, bearing with me uh, through, as I get through the housekeeping stuff of this part of the episode. But, you know, J1K, I don't know if J1K ever listens to, uh, to these episodes, um, but... You know, thank you so much for your music. Captured Soul from the School Days B-Tape, which you can find on j1kmusic.bandcamp.com. Next week's episode, you know, uh, I, I didn't know what I wanted to cover this week. And especially, you know, it, it, it was kind of a busy week considering that New Year's is right around the corner. But I, next week, I'm definitely going to be covering it as I review Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. And I got to leave you off with a quote. And this quote, I don't know, maybe I, I covered it in, in a previous episode, but this comes from uh, Wayman in Everything Everywhere All at Once. The only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please be kind.
especially when we don't know what's going on. Once again, I've been your host, Christian Ong, and that's my cue.